In this episode, we're going to interview a social startup which aims to extend financial inclusion to everyone, Gojo and company. Gojo encourages the formalization and growth of micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises through partnering with microfinance institutions. Six years since its establishment, Gojo works in Cambodia, Myanmar, Sri Lanka, and India with 360 million US dollars loan portfolio. Welcome to Reset Mindset Podcast, showing you how companies are combining sustainability and profit today. We believe everyone has a responsibility to innovate for a better future. So if you are looking for inspiring stories to reinvent a sustainable future, you are in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the new episode of Get Reset Podcast. My name is Nao, and with me is Dr. Vic Wu from Stanford University. Hi, Vic. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much. And I'm very excited to be speaking with Gojo's founder. Definitely. Okay, so here, um, Vic and I will be interviewing the founder and CEO of Gojo and Company, Mr. Taejun Shin. Hi, Taejun. Thank you for joining us. How are you? And where are you based now? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, the, I'm in Tokyo right now, and it's a pleasure to be here. Great. So, um, first of all, Taejun, um, tell us about yourself and your company. Okay, so I'm Taejun. Um, the, I'm a Korean Japanese. I was born and raised in Japan. Um, I am stateless. Um, and off, I am an offspring of a Korean immigrants family who came to Japan from Korea Peninsula um, almost a century ago. Um, and I grew up in the country, so Japanese is my first language and Korean is the second, English the third. Um, the, I started my career at Morgan Stanley um, and then I used to work for real estate and private equity investment division. And then I joined Uniton Capital, which was back then the largest private equity firm in Japan before starting the company. Um, and the reason why I joined the finance sector Uh, was a bit ironical because the um, when I was a college student, I wanted to be a human rights lawyer, and then I joined many protests, demonstrations um, on the street. Back then, there was a September 11th followed by the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, and uh, there are uh, there are uh, some protests even in Japan. And after joining all of them, I realized that the game of the rule is capitalism. Um, human rights is a great thing, but um, see, I felt that the uh, without understanding capitalism well, I couldn't change the society into the direction that I wish it to be. So um, that's the conviction that I got when I was a college student, and that's why I entered finance industry, because the um, back then I didn't have any knowledge about the industry, but I thought maybe this is the evil industry. And uh, I think there I can learn capitalism. Um, <clears throat> but I, the, after joining uh, this Morgan Stanley, I started my um, NGO and um, the, I spent my weekend and the vacation um, to engage in various activities. It turned out to be one of the largest NGOs in Japan now. Um, it's been 13 years since I started it. 
Uh, now, the, this NGO is working on three things. One is supporting orphans, uh, mainly in Japan, and the second, supporting refugees. And the third is the doing a research and investing in microfinance. That's how I met microfinance in 2008. And the, after spending some time, I realized that maybe I can do this as a full-time job. Um, that's how I started my company in 2014. Great. So uh, it's a wonderful um, to know that you were studying to be a college uh, at college to be a human rights lawyer and realize that the game really is capitalism. Uh, what would you say that your past experience at Morgan Stanley and, and other financial organizations has really helped or hindered your success at Gojo? It helped a lot in two, two ways. So first, microfinance still is a finance business. So the basic knowledge in, uh, at Morgan Stanley or Unison Capital helped a lot. Um, that's number one. And number two is the, uh, the, how do I say, the developing the capital structure or fundraising of uh, the, my company. So uh, I, I think many startup entrepreneurs fail to achieve good capital structure um, in the course of fundraising. Uh, but I have, yeah, thanks to my experience, I, I have been able to avoid that kind of failures. Um, so in that sense, I think uh, my experience at finance industry helped me a lot. Do you think it's hindered you in any way? Hmm. Good question. Hindered. Um, yeah, um, I think, yes. Um, so finance industry in general... Um, tend to develop products from supply-side perspective um, or supply-side logic. Uh, what I meant to say is that the financial institutions tend to develop products to make their money, not to make customers happy. And when I started microfinance, um, uh, by the way, there is a very um, the big myth or the wrong belief about microfinance um, but they, um, uh, I, thought, I think that it took time for me to, um, to be very humble and uh, to learn from the customers and uh, to develop the product. Uh, in that sense, I think there was some hindrance. Interesting. Could you, tell, could you tell us a little bit more about Gojo? So do you, how okay, do you yeah, operate sure, a microfinance sure. institution in so many countries in Asia? Um, yeah, so Gojo is a holding company um, of microfinance companies in developing nations. We call them financial service providers. Um, we sometimes build these companies from scratch, uh, or we buy an existing companies and uh, join uh, the companies, the operational management. Um, always the best case scenario is that um, we find the great managers to run the organization and uh, let them run the show. Um, without much intervention from us. That's the best case scenario, but that is not always, almost always the case. And uh, therefore, um, we have our own, the management support function, um, fundraising support function, tech support function, and the other functions uh, by which we can augment the management and operation quality of local financial service providers. So I think it's in a sense like super hands-on private equity, uh, but um, the Gojo is a company and we um, don't operate as a fund. So we don't 
need to exit from the investment. So we hold the shares and uh, they hold the shares permanently and we provide all the necessary hands-on supports. Wow. How, how do you um, find your um, local partners? Yeah. yeah, that's the most the challenging part. Um, so luckily, the, I co-founded the company uh, with an uh, Indian um, and the, he used to work uh, for microfinance sector for more than a decade before starting the company. And his job was to conduct the rating or due diligence of microfinance um, institutions in the world. Before starting the company together, I think he conducted diligence for more than 130 or 50 com companies um, in 25 countries. So he knew where the best players are um, in each country. And uh, thanks to him, I think we, yeah, we could have avoided, um, yeah, we, we have avoided um, all, the, all the potential mistakes that people from rich countries tend to make whenever they enter developing nations. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think I want to go to our next question because you mentioned that finding a local partner is a challenging um, part. So um, after founding your company, what are the challenges do you, did you face? What were the most challenging um, part for you? Um, there are many challenges. The first thing I say, I, I think this is a, uh, typical thing for um, many social enterprises um, or the impact companies, uh, which is fundraising. Because there still is uh, yeah, the belief among some people that the social enterprises or impactful companies don't earn money. So mainstream investors felt that the, um, this is something like a charity and it's not about making money. So um, it was very difficult for us to find out serious institutional investors. And um, in fact, um, the, during the first three years since we started the company, uh, we managed to raise uh, the initial funding from individual investors only. And it took three years for us to raise funds from um, a former um, the institutional investor. And I think the um, this challenge, I think the we overcome to the great extent. Now uh, we have raised 140 million USD, not just in Japan, but from in Taiwan and the UK uh, institutional investors. And uh, um, I, I think that's the you know, um, that's okay now. Uh, there are a few more challenges. I think uh, one is tech application. So when I started the company in our first business plan, I clearly stipulated that we are going to change the traditional microfinance by applying technology. Um, and then I started the business in Cambodia. And uh, for the first year, I lived in Cambodia and worked as a sort of, part, uh, sort of turnaround manager and I worked with the local colleagues. And then what I realized is that the <clears throat> first of all, whenever we apply technology and, and to innovate something, the operation should be good enough. And there is my favorite quote from Bill Gates, which is, 
um, automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify the efficiency. However, automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. So that's exactly what I <clears throat> noticed in the field. So before talking about the technology or tech application, we needed to think about, think deeply about how we really can streamline the operation. And that's how um, we spent our time um, in the first few years. And after then, the, <clears throat> finally, we started applying technology, but there are many um, other challenges. For example, um, most of our customers don't have smartphones. Still, if we go to rural areas, um, especially in Asia, whenever I ask questions to our customers whether they have smartphones or not, um, in rural areas, just 10% of the customers raise their hands. And on top of that, um, if I ask them how to, how, yeah, what kind of function they use in the, the, by their smartphones, most of the answer is that they, they just give a phone call and they take a photo. And then the, if I ask them the why they are then the having the smartphone, uh, the answer quite often is that their daughters or sons uh, bought it for them. And that's why they're using it, but they don't know how to use it. Um, <clears throat> and on top of that, 30% of the people in developing nations are still illiterate. Um, so that's not the easy to provide financial services that uh, through smartphones or digital, the other forms of digitalized financial services as we use um, in developed nations. So that's uh, another challenge that we faced. Maybe the third challenge is like the, is about the making a good team. So um, I was born, as I said, I was born and raised in Japan and my career before starting the company was spent in Japan only, although I worked in various the Asian uh, countries project. So most of my former colleagues or friends are all Japanese or based in Japan. But the, for us to really build a um, private sector version of the World Bank, the team members should come from everywhere. And the, that, that was very difficult in Japan because the, <clears throat> I don't know if it's right or not, but um, <clears throat> many people, e even now these days, um, even now many people who join Gojo ask me um, at, the, in the end, uh, at the end of the interview, that uh, asked to me that um, the does Gojo really um, um, have this the typical Japanese work culture? And the I, I think um, Japanese startups are not so popular among the um, English speakers, uh, the speaking employees, for it's the quite unique work culture and um, the. We are totally um, not like that. The, uh, I mean, um, we don't have any negative uh, the common culture inherited from other um, typical Japanese organizations. But um, these things were uh, really hurdles for us to hire good talents. And in the beginning, especially at any startup, um, in the, the early stage, it's very difficult to um, find talent. So we suffered a lot, but after six years, now Gojo, I, I believe, is the, we have the best team working on financial inclusion in the world. So 
I think these are the three challenges that we faced. And um, yeah, that. Great, thanks.、Um, I have a follow up question on the first challenge that you mentioned about fundraising. So I think there are multiple ways that. Right for now, I mean, social startups can fundraise. They can fundraise from foundations, they can fundraise from venture capital impact funds, or they can fundraise from other big companies who has an impact fund. So, how, how do you see that? How do you see that now? And also,、um, what do you think are the pros and cons of?、Um, Uh, fundraising from foundations or venture capitals?、Um, I don't know much about the case in the US,、uh, and I'm sure that the US has much bigger foundations than Japan. But in Japan, I think, it, yeah, I, I used to run my NGO, and what I understood is that if you raise one million donation or grants per year, that's the, sort of the best case scenario. Um, in, Japan,、uh, in Japan. So the, there is, yeah, the, there is almost no、um, foundations which inject the sizable capital、uh, or sizable donation、um, to social enterprises in Japan. So、um, that's why I didn't take any donation money.、Um, And on top, of that, on top of that, by the way, in Japan, if we take grants money, it will be very difficult to get the,、um, the, the money from institutional shareholders because they fear that it is not a serious、uh, business. I think it's changing.、Um, the situation is changing, but still, that kind of misconception or the, yeah, is there.、Um, so, Instead, this, the, that, that, that's why we tapped this, the institutional、um, shareholders. And the, we are in discussion and we raise many debt funds from、um, many impact investors.、Uh, but the, if you look at the, the target return between these impact investors and private equity funds or the, the other institutional investors, you can hardly see the big difference. Um, that is, I believe, the reality of impact in investing these days. Yeah,、um, granted, there are some really impact oriented、um, the investment funds, but、uh, most impact investors, the, I mean, they raise funds from LPs, and their LPs also want the fund manager to make money too. So I personally feel that the, yeah, there is sort of social premium,、um, the, but the, that premium is not that big enough. So, to us, when we talk with um, these um, investors, the, we, yeah, we can hardly tell the difference between、um, so called impact investors and the other institutional shareholders. In a sense, perhaps Japanese institutional investors, like life insurance companies or the other,、um, the, 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 the other companies, might. Um, be more、um, tolerant on target return, etc. So interesting that the, the industry has really、um, started to catch up with our social,、um, you called it social premium and perspectives、hmm. of how investors look at an investment. So,、um, 
I would like to ask you uh, about the the talent that is so scarce. Uh, do you feel that there could be some sort of education that could help uh, uh, whether they are um, uh, freshly graduates or uh, more seasoned professionals to be interested in um, uh, impact ventures? Uh, and if so, uh, what are the skill sets that would be the most valuable? Let's say if you were hiring, what would you be looking for? Hmm. Good question. Um, so first, uh, I think education does help, I am sure. Um, the, that's what happened in Silicon Valley, I believe, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so originally, I think the best and brightest people um, tend to go to, say, management consulting or investment banks or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that changed now. Uh, the most talented people... Um, yeah, they, they they join startups or they start a company from scratch, and that's big cultural change that um, the yeah perhaps your university led, um, and that change is um, gradually um, happening in Japan too, and I think the same thing should happen um, in the next decades, uh, given the global challenge that uh, we all human beings are facing. Um, so the I'm personally hoping that the most talented people um, join this the um, social impact or the other impact sector, because the, the given the global challenge that we are facing, I think you know the if they join the big tech or the investment banks or the management consulting, yes the. Um, they will make a good change or good improvement in this existing business. But um, if they join this, the impact sector, I think the changes will be phenomenal. Um, And I really enjoyed the book written by Bill Gates recently, um, How to Avoid Climate Disaster. And he also was saying that this, um, the global challenge is also um, bringing us about the big opportunities, and I am personally hoping that more talented people join this segment. And the second question: um, What are the important traits or capabilities for these people? Um, I think first is the um, humble, uh, being humble. Because the when we, you know, the so for example, when we the talk with low-income households in developing nations, people tend to think that they are smarter than them, and then they can um, come up with much better financial solutions uh, for these low-income households. However, most of the cases uh, that it's wrong, because I'm pretty sure that humans' the intelligence level is almost the same. Um, everywhere. I mean, our education level is different, but intelligence level is almost the same. So if life is at stake, people tend to make the wisest decision. And in developing nations, uh, low-income households, they are, I mean, they need to anyhow survive. And um, they are trying to, they are using all available resources to um, get their life going. And what we have to do is to learn from them and then to think about um, better 
um, financial products that financial institutions um, can develop. So this kind of um, willingness to learn um, the, from the field is a key factor. And the second thing I believe is perseverance or grit. Um, there are many challenges and the, you know, the, um, the things change quite dramatically. For example, uh, we are working in Myanmar and until January, Myanmar was just the, about to recover from COVID. And then the first February, uh, very suddenly the coup happened and the, the things are changing quite rapidly. And then I, I think similar things um, are happening and will happen uh, in the future as well. But we any, anyway um, have to sustain our business to provide a better mm-hmm. service for our customers. So that kind of um, mental stamina is quite crucial. Great. Thank you very much. Um, so the, our last question for you, Tejun, is what are your aspirations to realize a more sustainable world? Yeah. That's a big um, question. I know. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I have worked on this, the um, NGOs and the uh, philanthropy, etc., and I'm very keen on providing um, equal, equal opportunities for everyone. I myself, as I briefly touched upon, I'm a stateless. I don't have a passport. And I still bring my travel document for refugees to cross the border. Um, before COVID, I used to make a business trip every week. And uh, whenever I try to enter any country, I quite often am taken to a separate room in the immigration area. Um, so it's quite natural for me to believe that the no one should be discriminated um, the, due to their background. And I believe that equal opportunity consists of three things, as long as peace and the basic human rights are maintained. Um, number one is access to love. The, Access to love is like the uh, being loved by parents or the friends or anyone. Um, I have worked with many um, the orphans or children living under foster cares, and I realized that an experience of being loved makes a mental foundation of human beings, and it enables us to be resilient and likable. And I believe that's the most intangible, most important intangible asset for all human beings. And the second thing I believe is access to information, which is like basic education, internet access, existence of independent media, um, and so on. Because if you don't know how the world really is, you can't know how your life, uh, what you really can achieve in your life. And I think the third is access to resource, which is like the um, safe water, electricity, medical service, and so on. And the financial inclusion is a catalyst to let people access all these resources. And that's what we are working on it. Um, What we want to achieve in the next decade is that at least financial inclusion becomes the commodity, so available and affordable to everyone in the world. But the, as I said, the 
I mean, there are many things that we have to achieve. And um, supporting orphans in the world is my lifetime job. I'm already working on it. I'm still um, a national committee member to improve children's welfare in Japan, too. So um, anyway, the, the first thing I'm going to tackle is this financial inclusion challenge. Uh, we want to make the private sector version of the World Bank to address this challenge. And once it's done, I think uh, I will work on something else. So that's, I think, my um, career aspiration. Does this answer to your question? Yes. yes. Now, do you want to ask a question, uh, follow up, or? Yeah. So um, I think this would be our last question for you, Tejin. Um So, what would be your advice to younger entrepreneurs who are passionate about sustainability and social impact? What would you give them advice? Uh, I'm still not in a position to give an advice to really? So, You're so humble. <laughs> no, um, you know, yeah, the because if I, for example, look at what Bill Gates is doing right now, he's leveraging everything he got. I mean, his wealth, his network, his knowledge, everything to tackle, say, climate disaster or the economic development. And compared with him, I think I'm still like no one. Um, but I, I think what I realized is that um, <clears throat> the, in this impact sector, um, the we always have to think about the sustainable business models from scratch. That is not the case. Uh, that that is very different from typical business sector because in other business sectors, people know already how to make money. Uh, but in um, impact sector, sometimes the no one has developed a way to make money while making impact. And again, the, I, I need to reiterate that making money is important. I was born and raised in a poor family, so I know the importance of money. Um, we can't get going without having money or earning money. Um, we should earn humbly, but um, the that part, I think, to, to develop the good business model, which... Um, can achieve the double bottom lines or sometimes triple bottom lines mm -hmm. is uh, the most challenging um, as well as most exciting part of any social enterprise. Great. Excellent answer. Yes. Um, I'm so inspired by the access to love, to information and resources and financial inclusion is that lever that really helps all of us get to these places. Tajun, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I learned a lot from you in this interview. It was so there, your comments are so deep, and it's so it, it's going to take time for me to kind of digest what you mentioned. Um, but I, I think I like um, I like how you have um, accessed the 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 social um, problem. Um, how finance, as Vic uh, mentioned, um, the financial inclusion is a catalyst for all the um, resources or information that um, people have faced. So um, I think that is a very good approach. Um, Vic, what was your takeaway? Well, 
I just love that you started out as wanting to be in human rights and you ended up really almost transforming an entire um, industry just with your passion. So I am incredibly impressed and appreciative of the work that you're doing. And I hope that this interview will inspire others who would also take their aspirations and make them a reality, knowing, you know, little tidbits here and there that you have shared with us. Thank you so much. It's been a great story. I loved what you've said and how you, uh, like what now said, how deeply you've really thought about each of these pillars that's going to make a difference. So I really appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tejun. And for listeners, see you all in the next episode.